There you go. Okay. Okay. Um, it's asking me something here. It, it wants your permission. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was uh, uh, born in the Washington, D.C., grew up uh, just outside of Washington, D.C., uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, uh, where the Naval Hospital is. Uh, uh, I I, I kind of describe everything about my family is just a little weird for for the early 1960s when I was born. Um, uh, my parents were are were are a mixed race couple. My father's Japanese and my mother's uh, from Western Pennsylvania and which is his own story. Um, there's, there was uh, quite a bit of age difference between them. My father w was pushing 40 when he got married. My mother was uh, 22, I think. Wow. Um, and it just, uh, you know, kind of weird. Well, my, my mother... Uh, both my parents are scientists. My father's a physicist, and my mother uh, was a physicist. Um, my mother's a chemist, um, which is kind of weird at that time to, to have a woman scientist. Um, and uh, they were liberal Republicans, which is sort of a breed that died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, So I was born, um, I said I was born in, in that area. Um, had, a, had a fairly normal growing up until I went to school. Um, I, I, I don't know if I was ever diagnosed with anything specific, but I, I, I apparently have some sort of learning disability. And what happened was, up until about the third grade, I was just considered one of the dumbest students in the class. You know, it was just like, um, my, uh, we had this thing called the shushu train in, in kindergarten. I don't know if they do this at other places where it's, you know, this, it's a train thing up on the wall and you, you get your little pictures in it as you learn to tie your shoes and I was the last one. Hmm. And I, I think I might be dyslexic because one of my problems is I, I have problems with left and right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I took me a long time to learn how to read. Hmm. And everybody just sort of accepted that until in third grade, they started giving us these standardized tests and turned out that, I had one of the highest scores in America on that test in the third grade. Wow. Um, so suddenly I was like being examined by all sorts of people. I was being called out of class to talk to various people from colleges and universities and stuff like that. So, oh my. And, and, and I was being told, yeah, you know, you're one of the smartest people in the, in the, in the country. It's like, well, okay. 
that's not what you were telling me a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> how how smart are you? If uh... <laughs> right. right, so um, I I was starting to get some uh, you know have help help with that, uh, but then in in the fifth starting in the fifth grade they decided to do a, a an experiment where they basically knocked down all the partition walls in the in the school and had these big learning bays and we had these centers that at the time that the the top technology was uh you know cassette players that had like that, that could advance fil film reels fil um what do you call it? what are those called Film strips. Film strips. Yeah, I remember that. You're not about the same age. I remember these fads in education. Yeah, I think I'm a couple months older. Than you. I was born yeah. in, in August of 62. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and, and I, I wasn't the only one, but basically learning stopped at that point because, I mean, it was, it was a nice experiment, but... Uh, most of the teachers didn't know what they were doing. And anytime you introduce new technology, Mike, I suspect what happens is that the kids know kids are able to pick it up faster than yep. the adults. Yeah. Um, but I lucked out and in, in sixth grade, got a teacher who really sort of took an interest in me and, and got me on the path to like, struggling through reading and it's still a struggle for me to read but um it, it takes me a very long time to read anything um so i by that point i lost interest in, in uh um in school i was participating a lot in uh in scouts and in uh i played soccer which was also kind of a unique thing in the early 70s um i the, the the neighborhood i grew up in was extremely diverse uh because it, it was favored it was an area that was favored by a lot of uh, uh technocrats including uh people who worked for international organizations so we, we had people from around the world living in our our neighborhood uh, which is why we ended up playing soccer because you know a lot of these kids who came from other countries didn't know anything about baseball or or football. Um, so yeah, when it, and, and I describe it as a diverse neighborhood, but so, so we were diverse racially, diverse. We had a lot of different religions. We had a lot of uh, different ethnicities, but uh, basically everybody there were was some sort of technical professional. You know, a lot of people had gone to colleges, um, so we we were diverse on certain lines and and absolutely unified on other lines. Um. So I, I made it through um, junior high school and high school um, as kind of a, just a mediocre. I, I I got mediocre grades in there. 
Um, and part of me suspects that, that the, the only reason I didn't fail was that, that, that some of the teachers were afraid that, you know, that this, this prodigy was, you know, it would reflect bad on them to fail me. Um, so, um, and, and the other thing that happened in high school was I ended up, I, I, I went to a United Methodist church growing up. Um, somehow I ended up on our, our conference council of youth ministries. That, so a conference in the United Methodist church is basically a statewide organization. Um, and ended up on a, being a youth representative on a jurisdictional board. And so jurisdiction is basically, uh, um, that was the Northeast jurisdiction. So it's, it's basically New England and the mid-Atlantic states. Um, and I had some thoughts of going into the ministry, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I went to college. Um, so I majored in philosophy. Um, really, by the end of my freshman year, I'd, I, I realized I wasn't going to be a minister. I just um, didn't have the those kind of pastoral tools. Um, and part of part of that was realizing that. I had inherited, so, so my father was a very distant person. I, I inherited that from him, sort of keeping people at arm's length. Um, and actually sort of, you know, I would almost say it's, it's a fear. It's, a, it's almost a phobia. Hmm. And it's, 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 it's not agoraphobia. It's, it's, I'm not that way with strangers. It's, it's people I actually know. Um, so I, I realized that I would not make a, a, a very good pastor. Um, so I ended up, um, going through college. I, I became sort of fascinated by creativity. So my philosophy degree, I ended up, you know, not only did I have a philosophy degree, I, what I really specialized in was aesthetics um, and the and questions around, you know, what is creativity and what, you know, what is the, what are the relationships between, say, creativity and invention and creativity and discovery? Um So, and, and, and a part of that pursuit, I ended up, uh, um, I ended up qualifying for a number of minors, but what I probably should have done would, would, would have, would have been to go and get a second major, but, you know, I wasn't actually interested in doing that. So I qualified for 
um, minors in um, religion, art, and music, and business. Because at the end of my sophomore year, I realized I had better get some real skills. <laughs> <laughs> College is going to end. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I ended up take, taking a bunch of... Um, um, concentrating on accounting uh, because the other thing that I that in college in, in high school that uh, kept me uninterested in school was I had joined a uh, explorer post um, that met at the um, David Taylor Research Center which is a naval research center in Potomac Maryland uh, and learn to program computers. Yeah. And so once again, this is the, the early seventies. Um, so I, I sort of kept that as a hobby on the side, um, you know, as the college opened the, com their computer center to people who weren't computer majors or, or math majors, um, you know, I was able to get in there and play around some. So I lucked out when I graduated. I was able to um, basically put that um, hobby together with these accounting classes. And this was the, the late 80s by this point. And this is when people started small businesses started to buy computers yep. and the way I describe my career is for 20 years, I, uh, I found people who bought things, but weren't quite sure what to do with them. And ah, so there's thought, a lot of those people. So, so I helped them. I helped them, you know, find useful things to do with them. Um, and then, you know, it started with computers and then one of the people I, I got a job with had been sold a, a, a bunch of networking equipment. So I figured out how to make that work. Um, and, um, you know, a, a lot of my career was basically people asking me, could I do something? And I, my answer would be, yeah, I could figure that out. Uh, so I, uh, that's what I got into uh, uh, websites when, when sort of in the mid nineties, uh, wrote a, um, one of the early e-commerce programs. Um, then I got, got tired of, um, and, and during this time I became a refugee from the city. I just decided I had to leave. <laughs> Uh, leave the city. Um, so I I went to work for a rafting company running their uh, their internet operations. Rafting. Um, what kind of rafting is done on the East Coast? Uh, whitewater rafting. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Because we got plenty of it out here in the West. Right. 
Right. So so in West Virginia, there are a couple rivers that are that get rafted. The 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 one most people know about is the New, and the other one is the Gauley. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And then um, there are other rivers around the area, uh, around the, around the region of the Appalachian region, that okay. uh, interesting are raftables. And um, at at one point, the company we ran five different rivers. Um, So, yeah, but anyway, after that job, I got tired of trying to explain to people that you could trust a philosophy major to run your computers and went back and got a degree in management information systems. And out of that, I ended up working, starting work for a uh, contractor at NASA. And I work, I'm doing, uh, we do it's called independent verification and validation, which is we basically check the software to make sure it works right. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that that's an important field because we're increasingly trusting the signals we're getting from our machines, but the 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 systems are getting so complex to know that you're getting good data, I would imagine isn't always obvious. So, mm -hmm. so on on another track, as far as religion is concerned, after I decided I wasn't a, a minister, um, I I I actually wrote a paper for a psychology of religion class talking about how um, the American civil religion had changed from patriotism to a kind of pop psychology hmm. and um sort of became that, that 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 sort of got me to look at um in particular the United Methodist Church but you know the, the the mainline church in general and become somewhat disillusioned and then I and I, I became very interested in um in the Eucharist and sacraments and ended up going to a, a uh, Episcopal church for a while uh, in college. But, you know, the, 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 the nice cozy Episcopal church in a small college town is, is a lot different from college Episcopal churches in, in suburban Maryland. Yeah. So no, was never able to find a, another church home there and sort of fell into a uh, um, you know kind of I've never really been an atheist but just kind of a, a nihilism um, so um, was that was that because you didn't have a community that sort of was able to hold you and so you just sort of drifted and were alone? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it was that um um a lot of it and I kind of can retroactively 
look back and say, um, you know, it, it's a, a, a lot of that paper about pop psychology becoming civil religion um, was about churches, you know, lo local parishes becoming, um, seeing themselves as uh, social institutions rather than as uh, communities. And, you know, the more I, I look back on the history of that time, I, I think I was on to something. I think you were very much so. Um, That's a great insight. And, you know, a, a lot of what I've been thinking about recently is this, trying to separate community and society and the fact that you know that those two terms at some point become synonymous um, and that's that's kind of why I'm looking to reapproach the church But, you know, I also have the difficulty of, okay, so step back to my childhood. Um, one of the weird things about my childhood was my grandmother went to both a, a Presbyterian church and a Buddhist, mon a, a Buddhist temple. Um, I don't know so that it's so practice. weird with Japanese. Right. Uh, you know, practices sort of pure on Buddhism, right? So I've always been interested in Buddhism. So I, I, there, there's, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've never, I visited a monastery once, but I didn't. I've never really pursued actually trying Buddhist practices. Um, but actually, John Dravaki got me thinking back to what I've learned about Buddhism in various forums um, and how that fits in. And one of the three refuges that Buddhists will talk about, you know, I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, and I take refuge in the Sangha. And Sangha roughly is an assembly it's it's right. sort of the the community of buddhists right so i one of the things i've been doing recently is going through um the site that's translating all the buddhist literature buddhist scriptures if you want to call them that um looking to see what what buddhism teaches about community because you know, in in academic circles, you don't really learn about the practical part of Buddhism. Right. You learn about the the kind of more, you know, the the metaphysics and epistemology of Buddhism. Right. And that's that's interesting because that practice of the academy has, you know, per, has shaped the. 
appearance and sort of self-understanding of all religious traditions. Um, you know, and I suspect that for, so in Sacramento has a fairly large Japanese community. I've had members of my church um, from, I've had Japanese members of my church in the past. They, they passed away not too long ago. Um, it's a, the Japanese culture is a fascinating thing. And then the relationship between the Japanese and Buddhism is also interesting. It's interesting right. that your grandmother was a member of both. And that doesn't surprise me, given my experience with, you know, Japanese in Sacramento. It's a it's an amazing, you know, this couple in my church, they were some of the most giving, wonderful, faithful people. But as you said, quite, you know, they, they were always ready to care for others. But when it came time to receive care, they and their family had this little circle around them. And no, we'll take care of ourselves. Thank you. And we appreciate mm -hmm. your concern. But, and, um, you know, and I wonder too about, I, I think in, in, in the medieval world, a lot of community could be simply be assumed because community was so completely necessary for basic survival. And part of what happens in the modern nation state is that the, the so many things that community used to provide organically now sort of gets institutionalized. And, and this has deeply impacted churches, of course, but I would imagine it's funny because down in Stockton, just town south of us, there's a road that goes through. And right next to that road, there's a building that says Buddhist Church. And I always drive past that. And I think that's such an interesting cultural appropriation for the immigrants to say, you know, it's not the it's not the Sangha, it's the church now on one hand it's a very legitimate translation but mm -hmm. I, and so your your insights and your comments on this I, I find quite interesting and perceptive right right the the the, the problem is um for for me is you know I, I live in Fairmont West Virginia now so <laughs> we don't really have a particular going out there there, there are no temples or monasteries. You around. you abandoned the city, so that's in America. Where yeah, that's, find that's, these that's, populations. That, that's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but and 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 I I doubt that I would make a very good Buddhist because I'm I'm, I'm way too Western. Um, and but. In, in in trying to reapproach the church, um, I don't know if what I believe is Christian. You know, I, I I can play mental games and say, yeah, I actually can honestly recite, you know, the Nicene or the Apostles' Creed, but I don't mean the same word. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I don't mean the same thing that you all do mean yeah. by it. 
Yeah. Um, um, I, I, I guess my theology to the extent that I have one um, there there are a handful of biblical verses that I take literally um, and I'm pretty sure they're all either in the gospel or the epistles of John um, one is that God is love um and the other is, um, so in, in the story of Lazarus, when Jesus tells Mary or tells Martha, "I am the resurrection," I, I actually take that literally. Um, I assume that that to whatever extent I manifest God's love, or I channel God's love, or however you want to put it. I am resurrected with Christ. Um, you know, so so Paul would say, uh, the, I forget the exact verse, but it says that you know, as we've died with Christ in baptism, so we rise with Him, or are are risen with Him. He he, he seems to use the present tense there yeah. he said he doesn't say we're we're going to be risen with him. we are right. risen with him. right so you know i believe that even though it's a mystery that i really can't wrap my head around i can't intellectually say that yeah um the other thing i i kind of need to straighten out is the, the one of the things in Buddhism that I actually do believe is is the idea of anatma, the uh, no self. That that it's too simplistic to say that the self is an illusion. It's just that it's it's not permanent. Um, so I I don't actually believe in that my consciousness or whatever. I am, it will survive death. That what is resurrected is, like I said, the, the expression of God's love through me you know, to whatever extent I, I let that happen. And, you know, most, you know, when I do have approached churches in the past couple of years. Once I get to that point, it's good. They're kind of like, they don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it doesn't fit the formula. No. There's a, you know, in, in churches, there's a dilemma in that, Often people in your situation will, you know, you're sort of left to, let's say, a liberal church, where the liberal church is so completely wide open, they could hear that and say, oh, that's fine. 
But the problem with the liberal church is that they are so completely wide open, they don't tend to be able to hold much or do much. And it's this weird, you know, I, I remember at times feeling myself sort of frustrated and a little pinned in by certain aspects of my own denomination and thinking, oh, what if I joined a what if I joined a liberal denomination? They don't seem to care what anybody thinks. I can think what I want and say what I want and they'd all be fine. And then I figured out, well, not exactly really either. So it is sort of a it is sort of a misfits dilemma. Right. And Yeah, and it, it drives me back because my girlfriend has expressed interest in, in going to the um, Unitarian Universalist Church yeah. nearby. Yeah. And I, I I don't really feel inclined to do that because because it it gets back to that whole thing about society and communities. Yes. That they, they they very much see themselves as a social institution. Yes, right? you know they're they're they're, they're they, they you know in, in straight out talk about you know transforming society. And they tend to be they tend to be possessed by various pop psychological fads that go through. You just watch them go through all the fads. Right, uh, you're very right. You're very right. Um. But you know the the, the 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 mainstream churches around here, you know, are good, aren't any better, and um, you know the 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 more conservative churches, you know, the, the, the this, this idea that I don't. don't believe in in how they see the resurrection that that I don't believe that I don't believe in any personal afterlife um, tends to um, I, I mean I guess it, it boils down to their their whole idea of salvation is salvation from hell. But you know, I don't see that as a kind of issue. I, I, you know, I, right. I haven't, I, I, I've never really thought too much about hell as, as opposed to, to just kind of the torments of life. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. One. One of the reasons I. hesitate in 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 having this recorded is is you know i'm likely to say something that gets me in trouble every now and then. i mean literally gets me at, at one point had me put away which is i don't particularly like being live hmm. um that doesn't you know and, and people hear that and automatically assume that you know that's a suicidal ideation it's it's just no, I don't think that's. It, it, I've spoken to a lot of suicidal people. That's not how they sound. 
right. You're it, talking it, in it, a certain it, register that that's not what they're talking it's, in. It, it, it's it's close to an aesthetic judgment. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, I'm sort of there. I'm, 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 I'm looking for community. I'm trying to start an estuary, but I, I can't really explain to anybody around here what that is. And I don't have the backing of a church to do anything about it. Oh man! Oh. But I but, but I really like the idea of estuary. It's just you know, it's just you know yeah. The, w w when I'm on um, the leaders um, Zoom meetings, you know, it's 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 very helpful to be able yeah. to talk out some things. Yeah. You, there, so. There's a lot, of, you know, we've, uh, yeah, you know, the estuary project is, it is on one hand, what you just, you're not the first person to tell me what you've just told me. Um, and even online, it's better than not having it at all. But, you know, it would be nice to have one in real life where you, in fact, would have, you know, the, the, the beginnings of a community. Right, I see. I see it as as the starting of a community of, for lack of a better phrase, spiritual but not religious people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is a category I put. My, I definitely put myself in. Yeah, but hmm. because um, I mean, one of the things listen to you and, and other people in this quarter as it does is, is challenge my um, epistemological nihilism of yeah maybe the this whole thing about powers and principalities is there's something to that you know that, 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 there, that there are for lack of better phrasing higher agencies that we participate in um, and w which circles all the way back to the whole society versus community thing that the that, that the spirits that control society are, are I, I tell people when, so occasionally particularly when I was back getting my second degree I would take classes um the fact that it's a second degree it gave me a lot of leeway to take all sorts of weird classes um and so some of the classes i took were were kind of in these social justice uh these new disciplines of social justice and one of the things that sort of got out of that is people when when people say society doesn't care about this or that group it's like yeah i know society doesn't care about anybody <laughs> society isn't about caring society is about keeping order yes 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 um 
community is about caring. Yes. And for some reason, America has let communities assumed by by society. And the way I put it is that um, the things the, the things that communities should be doing when they do them right, they're wholesome. And when society takes over, they're totalitarian because they're not done with care. Yeah, like I said, it's 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 you know the the point I disagree with with Christian spiritual warfare people is that I don't necessarily believe that the powers and principalities are demonic. It's like they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure to the lamb that gets away from the flock. The, you know the little Shetley, you know the little herding dog is 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 a demonic spirit. Hello. Hello for riding car. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um Yeah. So you know, I, I, well, I agree that there there is this kind of spiritual warfare and I, I don't see it quite the same way. Right. Well, it's part of, part of, so I've talked before about the excluded middle and missionaries coming from Western countries to the rest of the world saw this immediately that most cultures in the world had a middle of spirits and mm-hmm. what tended to happen was there was ever sometimes all of those spirits were categorized as demonic but not all those spirits were evil and it doesn't, and this is where um, this is where say the medieval perspective. And I think part of the reason that the new fascination in a medieval perspective is rising right now is because you realize that they weren't all evil and they weren't always good that there was a, a middle realm and and different biblical scholars have worked on that with respect to a variety of um, uh, Michael Heiser wrote about that quite a bit when he was alive, Um, the heavenly hosts. Mm -hmm. And and there tended to be just this radical binary that happened, you know, there's angels and demons. Okay. That's it. So there's God, angels, demons, Christians. There it is done. And it's like, it's 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 especially in the sense that you can you can fairly now with these hyper objects which is sort of a secularized neutral term let's say i don't particularly like the term but we're really struggling with respect to the the problem with language isn't just gosh how to talk about this stuff naming always involves being able to point to something and the difficulty we're having is that it's difficult to point to things that box? people can see. So, no, go ahead. If you've got to deal with something, oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, it's not in the box. Am I checking my car? Okay. At least that red one is there. Okay. okay. 
Sorry. That's fine. Um, yeah, and my girlfriend wants to take the dog for a walk. Oh, wonderful. This stuff is so hard. I mean, again, just seeing the Peugeot, James Lindsay, recent, you know, they, they James Lindsay has no idea what Jonathan Peugeot is talking about. And so James Lindsay then is just sort of dismissing everything, which is right. just this classic sort of modern move. And Protestants do it. And, you know, basically secularists do it because it's a version mm -hmm. of protestantism it's just we're just going to sweep all this away and but then they they fall prey to things like pop psychology which are just kind of other versions of it without the idea of agency so we're we're in a position right now where it's it's terribly difficult to to manage this stuff and yeah yeah i i you know there, there's no so you know when when recently when peugeot talked to benjamin boyce and I, you know poor benjamin was trying to sort of make some progress in this area and i listened to i have to re-listen to it because i listen to it at night and then i fall asleep to things i don't hear at all but um it's just so hard for for Peugeot, I think, to make himself understood. This stuff is so hard. <laughs> right. Maybe it's a good thing we have hard things because then we have stuff to do, I guess. Right. And then, and, and, uh, you know, the, the thing that I keep coming back to is that, that um, you know, we're, kind of fighting in this social arena um, and um, I mean what, what, one of the things that brought me to this corner was um, uh, David Fuller and, and his um, his project that he shut down a while ago oh, the, oh uh, Rebel Wisdom yeah yeah, the Rebel Wisdom Project, and talking about sense making, which you know, as as a philosopher, is something I could sort of sink my teeth into, and that was something I could wrap my head around. And and when I hear people talk about, say, artificial intelligence, I mean that that's that's a, that's absolutely a sense making pro problem, and. I mean, the best the pl best place to make sense would be in a community rather than trying to do it at a societal level. Yes. And I think I think that the, the Peugeot Lindsay thing is, but uh, are people are people sort of trapped in this societal arena and. You know, at, at the end of that Benjamin Boyce voice um, interview with Peugeot, it, you know, he was saying, you know, he, basically his go to church message, you know, that this needs to be done at at that community level. Or, I don't know about level, but, you know, the, within that, that community venue. 
Well, the and and here again, I really love how you've sort of, I mean, you've really given me some insight here into differentiating society and community. I think that's a super helpful distinction. And and society is a hyper object that has some significant differences from the thing that is community. Community, real community is always an instantiated thing where society is much more this hyper object, which is sort of out there. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think your observation is dead on correct that part of the problem between Peugeot and Lindsay. So I might rip this off for a video. So, and, and depending on how much you want to stay anonymous, I won't name you, but um, you do get credit for it because I had this insight listening to you talk because really you're, I think you're dead on right that, the answer to Lindsay and Peugeot understanding each other lies much more in being within a community rather than staying at this societal level because you're not, there's, there's, and Verveke is right. There's lack of affordance there because they, they, they're all, they're limited to this bandwidth up here. And there's something that happens in community. It doesn't mean that society that Peugeot and Lindsay would sort of uh, would they completely understand each other. No, that, but that kind of community is a venue in which that sort of understanding begins to occur. It's sort of like C.S. Lewis and um, and uh, I can't think of his name. His second friend, um, the the Barfield. Barfield, yes. It's like Lewis and Barfield. It was in community that they could begin to understand each other. Without that community, they're they're, you know, Peugeot and Lindsay will just tend to be two battleships that are lobbing shells at each other because and that those shells are just the the videos or the words going back and forth. There's not going to be right. any coming together. Right. And, and Benjamin Boyce actually seems to be attempting that. He seems yes. to be to, to bring them into the same community. Yes. And whether he he will ultimately be able to do that, I'm not sure. But um, you know, and, and and a lot of it is just style, and as you, you know, Lindsay's style as opposed to Peugeot's style. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they they're, they're both. very set in their worldviews yep yep yeah and I, I, I don't know if they, they they'll be able to see each other's worldview yeah yeah i think that's right i think that's right yeah i but your your question your challenge is a difficult one and this is a i mean this is in some ways the estuary challenge Mm-hmm. which is um, helping actually found communities and helping people find each other um, right. and, and build these. And, and, and you actually found somebody I, I should be asking to be part of the estuary. So I, I don't know uh, if it was last week or maybe if it was two weeks ago, you, you quoted a, uh, a um, woman, a Muslim woman from Morgantown, West Virginia, talking about her family 
I should know that family. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> so I, I, I think she would be interesting to, yeah. to include. I, I actually know her parents better than I know her, but. Oh, these are the hiders? At, um, uh, I haven't the, talked to the, too many Muslim women. No, no, she, you, you didn't talk to her. Um, you quoted a tweet of hers. Oh, oh, you her. Showed, you showed oh, a yeah. picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just found that tweet sort of randomly. Well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's, Getting, having people want to do something that costs, having Americans want to do something that costs them time is a tremendously difficult thing. You can get money out of them far easier than you get time out of them. Because again, it's what I noticed, Haitians had more time than money and Americans had more money than time. And especially when it comes to community, I mean, part of the reason the country is struggling is that we have decided community is not worth our time because partly it is so costly. Community is tremendously costly in terms of time. And so we're very zealous of guarding it. Right. And, that, and that's part of the reason why I keep asking you about Luke 16. Um, keep mentioning it when when I throw questions your way on, on the Discord. Um, Which part of Luke 16? Uh, use your money to make friends. Oh, I just finished talking with Chad and he asked me what my favorite Bible verse was and I started talking about Luke 16. So it's amazing that you... Bring that up. Um, yeah, and 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 by that I take it to me, you know, build a community, make friends, build a community. Um, it, you know, because if, if if you're if you're cheating ways get you in trouble, they won't look out for you. Because you know, I can relate to the idea. The, the, this, this, you know, the the the, the steward who who uh, you know says who, who ends up getting barred and is wondering what am I going to do? I'm I'm too proud to beg and I'm too lazy to dig ditches. Uh, and you know, I did. I'm, I'm a prime example of what you talk about in, uh, with Americans. It's like, yeah, I, I'm a systems engineer, you know, who gets paid, you know, pretty penny. Uh, but I, I, you know, I have pretty modest, uh, a pretty modest lifestyle. So, you know, I, I have, uh, I have the resources to like you know, 
help people out. <laughs> and, and I do, but you know, I, because my um, the the first time I asked you a question about that was like trying trying to balance Luke sixteen and Matthew six. So in Matthew six, you know, it says, you know, don't don't blow trumpets when you give to the poor. Right. And it's like, okay. You know, I want it to be effective, but I would, you know, I also have alter some certain ulterior motives in, in my giving. You know, for all of my interest in that parable, I have done very little contemplating on 16 verse 9. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That is a very straightforward verse. Mm -hmm. And I'd never sort of thought about it in that way. But, hmm. And, and you're right, and sort of in contrast with Matthew 6. Uh, it's very interesting. Right. And, and, and the Taoist in me wants to like find some sort of balance between those two. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just a that's just a plain, simple admonition that Jesus gives there. And and in fact, he seldom boy. You know, this is this is the crazy thing. I mean, I have been for sixty years. I've been involved in churches, listening to sermons. Um, now, obviously, the, the the church is vast, and you, and you only just ever participate or see just a slice of it. But I can't ever recall ever hearing any clergy make any admonishments about that verse. And there it is. It's just a straightforward verse. It's very plain and simple. And you, you just sort of contextualized it and applied it. And I thought, well, and, and it's also, you know, for, for in your case, too, it's also sort of interesting in juxtaposition to how do you understand heaven eternal dwellings? Given your skepticism about afterlife. I, I, I think... That in this case, giving would be one of those manifestations of God is love that I spoke about earlier. Um, you know, I don't want to use the word theosis, but becoming like God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that love is what will remain, that, that love is what is resurrected with Christ. Um, I, I'd said earlier that I was interested in the Eucharist. Um, one of the things I that that I developed going to the the Episcopal Church in, in you know when I was in college um, was this idea that in taking the Eucharist, I'm not so much consuming the body of Christ as being consumed by the body of Christ. The resurrected body of Christ. And 
you know, how that relates to the church is, is another thing, but you know, the, the, the church as the body of Christ. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. and, and there, there is an element of the church there because in the Eucharist, you know, you see yourself as participating in a tradition that goes back to the, the early church. Yep. So the, the idea of being consumed by that it, it, you know, was a very strong part of you know, sort of adjusting to leaving the, 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 the mainstream church. <laughs> Well, you've given me a lot to chew on, Neil. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like a, a lot of times when I'm listening to you, you know, when in, 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 on your podcast, um, and, and that's how I listen to you. I don't, I, I only go on YouTube if I want to actually make a comment. Right. Um, Otherwise, I just listen to the podcast when it comes out. Um, you know, it's like, wow! I wish I could ask him this question here. <laughs> and, 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 and every now and then, it drives me to Discord to actually put it in your your Q and A. But well, now you can text me, which is which is a lot better, um, right? That's that's and that's part of the reason for the the different levels. Um. Right. I, I, I guess what the, the, the one final thing is um, I keep saying I want to have, you know, part part of reapproaching church is to have a um, a truth and reconciliation process. And that and that's like understanding trying this this rethinking of my nihilism, you know, my, my deconstructing my nihilism as, as it were. Um you know, has, has I, I have to understand, you know, I have to try to discover certain truths about myself. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of those that have, that I've come to in the past, you know, couple of years since I started uh, this process. Um, but I also wanted to know, you know, is it, are the things I think about the church true? And I know they're not, but you know, what nuggets of truth are there in, in the things that I think about the church? Yeah. It's, it's difficult because in some ways the church is always this big thing out there. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I listen to your dilemma, I don't find it inconceivable that you could find a local church and a relationship with a minister where, you know, you might never be on the church council if it's a confessional church, because you've got, I mean, it's sort of John Van Donk situation. John Van Donk is not going to be on the council of Cross Point Church. It's not going to happen because right. he's got certain ideas that just don't fit in with the confessional package. But he is a part of that community. There's, I mean, if you're around him in that church, he is a part of that community. And so, Part of what 
part of what I think we're going to be sorting out over the next hundred years is going to continue to be this question of these, these propositional beliefs and the other three Ps. And this is sort of what's at stake in the Christian Reformed Church right now as an institution. But even though I am a member of the Christian Reformed Church, even in Christian Reformed polity, I'm actually a member of this Christian Reformed Church. And there's a real, the, the denomination recognizes the tension between those two things. And so I don't find it inconceivable that you could find a church. Now, that doesn't mean it's possible. It's just not inconceivable <laughs> that you could find a church where you could par participate in the community because I've known lots of people that have participated in even traditional conservative churches that have had participants who have very different belief systems, but they're very much a member of that church, even if they don't necessarily share all the propositions that the church shares. And the church sort of understands that, and the people understand that, and that goes fine. And if you know the mainliners in some ways want to let go of propositions, but they also then don't understand sort of, it's very, I mean, those four Ps are together for a reason. You don't just sort of cut the one and the three apart. They are always together. And so we're always wrestling between them. And I think Estuary in some ways does that well. And I, you know, John Van Donk's Estuary group is, is really flourishing and it'll be, Interesting to me to see how once I go week to week with Estuary, what happens with that group and what that group becomes, especially alongside of this other confessional church that is, you know, sort of withering. But so I don't know. And because I, again, I think it's conceivable that you can find community in a church. Mm -hmm because I've seen it happen. There are, there have been people in my church, oh, I've been lots of people in my church that I, as a pastor, because they will tell me what they really believe, they won't say it necessarily to the whole group. They'll just kind of keep their mouth shut. But because they trusted me, they would say, well, pastor, I think this, 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 and this. And I know where that stands with respect to all kinds of other things, but, and I'll hold it in confidence but they still were fully part of the church and the church lived fine with that. Like John Van Donk, church lives fine. When John Van Donk says, I want to have a conference that'll bring in 200 strangers into our building and occupy it for three days. And I think this would be pretty good for the church too. He talked the church into it and they all agreed. And at the end of it, everyone was happy with each other. And they know what a crazy guy Van Donk is. They live with him. So it's not inconceivable, but I think you're exactly right with respect to the, the differentiation between society and community that the reason John Van Donk is a part of that community is partly because he came in and they knew he needed them. And they learned they needed him too in time. And that's what happens in community where you can have, I mean, it's the whole dynamic of, well, he's a heretic, but he's our heretic. 
Okay. And 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 John's willing to live with that. And they are too. So I I think your I think your instincts are a hundred percent correct. It's just that this is what I tell people with respect to churches. I say, if you want to get in, just keep coming. Because churches are like animals in that someone visits a church once and they all look at them and are like, hmm, there's a visitor. You know, then the church is kind of like, well, we wonder if they'll stay because, and then they're usually think maybe they'll tithe, maybe they have status, you know, yada, yada. Churches think about all those instrumental things first. Okay. That's the first, that's the first few weeks. But if the person keeps coming and is part of that community, very, very mm-hmm. seldom do churches tell people don't come back. Churches almost never do that. Churches will get accustomed to the person, no matter how crazy, no matter how. And 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 in time, once that community dynamic happens, many churches, not all, there's some churches that will eventually say, we don't want this person here and they'll kick them out. But many churches in time will just basically make a place for that person, despite you know, as long as they're not, you know, hurting people in the church or something like that, um, they'll 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 be a part of that community. Happens all the time. So, I I, I guess I just encourage you on that. If if you and and you, it would be important to kind of pick a church that has that capacity and capacity to do it well. And Dutch churches aren't bad choices for that because the Dutch in their cultural tradition have a strong tradition of tolerance which means that they might be doctrinaire in many ways but they've also got this they've also got this instinct for tolerance and toleration so yeah unfortunately i actually did go looking for crc churches there there are many by you about 75 miles of here (laughs) yeah no there's there's not that many of them they're not they're not distributed evenly over the united states i'll say it that way right but no, but there there could be others. Uh, you know, Anglicans might be a, a place to look to because they tend to, but, you know, they have to, it's hard. It's, you know, I, it's, I'm so lucky in that I don't have a choice of where to go to church. I'd go here anyway, but um, I feel really bad for church shoppers because it's really hard to find a place to fit in. Right. And that's, that's that's one of the things I gave up to become a, a, a urban refugee um, or, or refugee from the urban area, um, which is kind of a discussion of its own, but um, why I did that. But um, yeah, there's a, you know, that, that there isn't quite the variety of, of spiritual institutions around here that, yeah. that I guess I'll have to start a cult in a compound somewhere so all the misfits can 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 move to some place in rural California with really good internet. And, where's my Moscow, Idaho? Right. And, and and that's actually one of the the things I've been thinking about. I've 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 been sort of mentally setting up uh, uh discussions with so, I, I I I listened a lot to things in this little corner, um, but I also listened to a, a lot to um, 
somehow I got to, to listening to the Modern War Institute's podcasts. Um, the Modern War Institute is a, is a think tank up at, at West Point, uh, the military academy. Um, and I find a lot of parallels in there. And, and one of them is, is so, so the church and the military are two places that are, that, that create communities for lack of a better word in the military. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that, that's the right word, but for the military that are in tension with the society. Um, and, but one of, one of the things they share is that in, in order to not be a cult, um, um, you're, you're connected to a, a higher doctrine. So doctrine is a, is a, is a big word in the military. Yeah. And, you know, it, you're almost in an AA way. You're, you're connected to a higher power. And that keeps you from that. That keeps the the leadership from um, going off in, in, into this cult, sort of cult territory. Doesn't always work, but you know, yeah, it it, it, it it's it's one of the the guardrails that, that um, you know would have to be blasted through to to actually get to the cult territory. Well, Neil, definitely, um, you know, you have my, you have my cell phone number. That's kind of the whole purpose of this. So keep the ideas coming. Um, and, uh, I'm glad you're in Elsnet and I'm glad you have that, but, um, gosh, I wish I had, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I recorded this. What I'll do is I, I, I put it on, I put it unlisted and then I'll send you the link and then nobody else sees it anybody though the only people that can see it have the link and you and i are the only ones with the link and um and then we can talk about we can talk about it and see what we want to do um but you've given me you've given me so many interesting ideas modern war institute podcast why wow, i'd never even heard of it yeah um so, so there's the Modern War Institute podcast. The, the ones I listen to in particular are um, one called The Spear, which is a, a I'm, I'm in, in, in my conversations, you would be partnered up with the, the host of this program because what The Spear is is, is stories about um, the combat experience, personal oh. stories about combat, the combat experience. Um, so it's you know, his first question is, is very similar to yours, which is his first question is, how did you join the army or how, how did you come to join the army? Or, you know, uh, he, he interviews people from other services also, but you know, how, how did you come into the military? <laughs> um, and the other one is the urban warfare podcast, which is that, that, that was my entry point because one of the things I did, when I went back to school, um, was I, I sort of made it an education of globalization. And I realized that globalization is, is actually just urbanization. You know, the, the, the world is becoming urban. Yeah. 
And the Urban Warfare podcast is one of the few shows that is actually sort of taking a practical look at what that means. Crap. You know, you, I, I, it's like I didn't need more content in my life, Neil. <laughs> now it's like, oh, you're well, colonizing and, and, me. Yeah, and also the um, the I, I I would be interested in in your opinion on um, the movie I suggested um, in in the your your last Discord Q and A, which was Ten Thousand Saints. I I, I think you'd find that. Uh, interesting because if nothing else because it's about somebody coming of age in the 80s <laughs> hmm. yeah fifty-eight percent rotten tomatoes taking this on faith <laughs> yeah. oh I, I can see that a lot of people don't like it but i i, I think it's a very interesting i thought it was a very interesting movie Maybe I can get and, my and, wife and, and 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 as far as the theme of searching for a spiritual or a quest for a spiritual home, uh, definitely it sort of gives a lot of discussion material. Oh shoot, Amazon! I've got this. I've got this monitor that if certain certain programs frustrate this monitor. <laughs> And Amazon sometimes triggers it. Spotify does it all the time, but Anna, and I can't figure out what's with the driver of this monitor that these certain programs are using a particular are using a particular API that this monitor doesn't like. I just I just pulled it up there. Oh, up, oh, no. <laughs> just, yeah, it might be the codex in that. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. I'm sure that's what it is. So okay, well. Um, well this was great fun Neil. I've, I really I've thrown out enough uh, enough content for you to peruse over and now my monitors are acting I've got to unplug this monitor otherwise everything's going to get weird soon it usually doesn't happen during a um, usually doesn't happen during a a talk but I, I just have to remember that Amazon is a I got to be careful I got to be careful with Amazon because it's only that monitor. I can have it on the other monitors and it's fine, but it goes on this one. It's like annoying. Anyway, Neil, thank okay. you for this. Sure. And get better because uh, we need you back on the Freddie and Paul show. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't know what poor Freddie. I don't know what he was able to. Well, it must have been per, pretty frustrated, but I should be, I should be back next Sunday. I, you know, truth be told, if I hadn't tested positive and I probably just would have worked through this thing because, you know, I work through colds all the time. I don't, but then it's like, right. eh, is this going to be worse? I don't know. We'll just, I'll just be cautious. We'll just have one week where I'll not be here. Everything will be all right. Anyway, those is still runny. Well, thank you, Neil. It was good talking to you. And um, yeah. I will I will pray for your church shopping. Okay. Okay. And I I, I, will, I will look at, at um, the 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 video and and then I'll probably say it's okay because I, I didn't really talk too much about my total depravity. Um, All right. I, I will send you the link. Okay. Okay. Take care. Okay. Have a good Bye. day. Bye.